why can't you afford to live in that neighborhood? Let's talk about spiritual economics. Have you watched the news lately? All they're talking about is inflation. You hear that all the time, right? Remember when in the 70s when I was a kid, all they talked about was inflation. What's on the news these days? I have two vehicles that I drive. Janice has her own, a truck and a van. They both get about the same mileage around town, which is where I do most of my driving. They only get about 15 to 18 miles a gallon. The van has a 16-gallon tank, and the truck has a 27-gallon tank. And when I go to fill up, I fuel up. I stopped to talk with one of my kids this week, and their spouse told me, i got to tell you, this tickled me, their spouse told me that they were putting in a garden. So I asked her, I said, do you like to garden? And she said, no, but this inflation thing is real. Many people, and I suspect most of you, have had to make a few adjustments in life because of inflation. How many of you can remember when we were out in the parking lot the last couple of years, I made fun of my wife's garden planting that she was doing? Y'all remember that? I was making fun of that. This past Friday, I spent it out buying vegetables. But anyway, <laughs> I bought the plants this year. We don't like, in fact, we're stuck when things become unaffordable. And I suspect, honestly, by the way, this Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, is food pantry night. Am I correct? Is that correct? Okay. The only reason I state that is if you want to come give a hand about 5 o'clock on Tuesday night, Debbie will take you. But I suspect that our numbers at the food pantry, what I call the customer count, will actually go up because things are getting hard on families out there that are trying to make ends meet. One of the lessons I learned growing up is that if you spend less, you can save more. You can do more. You can save more and do more. We have together practiced that concept quite a bit throughout our life together, even raising our kids. I've got kids that have been to Europe several times, go to fancy places I never have. Their idea, or rather my idea for them growing up as a vacation involved a nine-passenger station wagon with a pop-up camper on the back end. You've never had too much fun. <laughs> we didn't stop at fast food joints often. We often ate in the parking lot in the car. We did and experienced many things on a budget. I wouldn't trade those days for anything in the world. Our kids didn't get on airplanes until they were old enough to buy their own tickets. We slept on Grandma's spare bedroom floor, sometimes slept in that nine-passenger station wagon, and occasionally we'd stop at a Days or a Comfort Inn. Along the way, we rented a few condominiums. Sometimes we were blessed by God in different ways that we'd never imagined. But when you can't or choose not to afford something, you go without. You steal. I don't steal. You just do without. How many of you know who James McMillan III is? I'll bet you you do, but you've forgotten. I'll tell you who James McMillan III is. He was born in 1946. He is known as an American political activist. He has annually been a candidate for some office. He is actually a Vietnam War veteran, and he has started his own political party. And here is where you're going to know that you know 
Pastor James Eleanor. He's the guy that started, <laughs> and I won't use one word here because we're in church, and I wouldn't use it if we were out of church, but I, <laughs> I won't say it here. He started the party that's called The Rent is Too Darn High. You know that political party? The rent is just too darn high. He's run for president. He's run for governor. The only reason he jumped in my mind as I prepared this message is because the party name is just too funny, and it always jumped into my head. But this passage this morning, I want to tell you why the rent is so darn high. I want to tell you why you can't afford to live in that neighborhood. I want to talk to you about spiritual economics. So let's jump in. We're going to go a verse at a time. And I'll get through the verses quickly and get down to the bottom line here this morning. Paul says, therefore, as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. If you know your Bible, Paul just said to you, go read Genesis 3. Because in Genesis 3, God laid down the rules. God put down the policy. And it was, you shall not eat from a certain place. And Adam and Eve ate from a certain place. Whoever Adam is, the reason I say that to you is because look at the verse. It says the one man. We don't know yet, as Paul writes, who he's talking about. Who is this guy? Well, he rearranged the furniture of our life. He put things in order differently than what God intended for them to be. And he made your life and mine incredibly more difficult than God intended for it to be. Look at what the 13th verse says. Sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there's no law. Now, the point here is this. The law was given, you'll recall if you're a Bible student, by Moses. Moses is the guy who promised the law. But from the time of this one man, Adam, there was no law. But there was, in fact, sin. We know that. How do we know that? Because when Adam and Eve sinned, God said, because you've sinned, eventually you will die. And everybody that lived from Adam to the time of Moses, in fact, died. They were fighting out birth certificates. They would not write on the birth certificate COVID. They would not write on the birth certificate cancer. They would not put on the uh, birth or the death certificate natural causes. It would have had to have been just a simple word, sin. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. People still die. Paul says in the 14th verse, yet Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Now, let me, let me put that in terms that you and I will understand. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. They were good people. They were good people like you and me are good people, but they still die. Adam blatantly crossed the line. God said, here's the line in the sand, and Adam said, I'm stepping over it. And that is what brought death into the world. And notice also what Paul says in this verse. He says, Adam was a type of the one who was to come. What's he talking about there? Adam is a type of Christ. Now, you may look at this and say, what, Joel? I mean, Adam sinned and Jesus was perfect. 
stick with me a minute. What is Paul trying to tell us? Paul is trying to tell us that Adam was a type or a prototype or a model of Christ in this sense. People died from Adam to Moses, right? Sin reigned from Adam to Moses. And Abraham and all those people that died in the in-between years there that died, they died because of something that Adam did. Adam's sin was communicated or transmitted, or however you want to say it, to all of humanity from that point on down the line. And in the same sense, when Jesus died on the cross, the gift that he brought of salvation and forgiveness of sin and justification is communicated to all of us if we choose to take it. So in that sense, Adam is a type of Christ. Now Paul says, but the free gift isn't like the trespass, the free gift that Jesus gives. For if many died through that one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. The free gift of God is different. Even though Adam is a type of Christ, the free gift of God is different than what the sin of Adam brought us. Even though Adam is a type of Christ, the result of the two things are different. Sin came to all of us through Adam. Grace came to all of us in an abundant way through Christ. We've all heard that phrase, death is no respecter of persons. We've all know that death comes along one per person, right? We each get one. The grace of God is different. If you choose to accept and receive the grace of Jesus Christ, look at what it says. The gra- at the very end of this verse, the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Death is just one per person. But the grace of Jesus is a cup that never stops filling. The grace of Jesus is a gift that never stops giving. And so the next few verses, we're at verse 15, but in 16 and 17, what you're going to see is that the gift of God, the effect of what Christ did on the cross is totally different, and not only totally different, but far better, obviously, than Adam's effect on all of humanity. Look at what it says in the 16th verse. The free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. The judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift brings justification. A major difference is this. One sin affected everybody that has ever lived and died, but one act of love removed the effect of that sin for everyone that chooses to accept it. When Adam sinned, he was condemned. When a sinner trusts Jesus, what happens? We are justified because of what Christ did on the cross. Not only justified, let's get a grasp of what that means. Declared righteous. In other words, God looks at that person who chooses to accept the gift of Jesus and says, in spite of the fact that you're a descendant of Adam, in spite of the fact that sin and all of its effects has been rained down upon you, because you have chosen to receive the gift that Christ did, things are far better for you. You not only have life, but you can have abundant life. Paul says in the 17th verse, if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one man, much more... Will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ? Paul is contracting for us what the rain from Adam's act brings us and the rain from Jesus' act brings us. If you were to go back and look in the 14th verse, what 
Paul said, and I pointed this out to you when we were there, is that from Adam to Moses, people without the law died because death reigned. Death simply came because of what Adam did. But Jesus ushers in a new kingdom. Just before this chapter that we're in, or rather, I'm sorry, in the 14th chapter, um, uh, nine chapters down the road, Paul is going to say this. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, you read that and you say, what does that mean? So much of the law for these Jewish folks had to do with what they ate, what they drank. And what Paul is saying is, being in Christ is not a matter of do's and don'ts. If you are in Christ, the law no longer has effect. What happens is you get the righteousness, the peace, and the joy in the Holy Spirit that the act that Jesus did on the cross can bring to you. The kingdom of God, the, the, the kingdom of Adam, the reign of Adam's kingdom brings us death, but the reign of Jesus in our lives is not about what you can't do, it's about who you can be. Are you with me? It's not about what you can't do. It's about who you can be. Finally, Paul says here in Romans 5.13, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace, the free gift of righteousness, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how Paul started this fifth chapter. He said this, being justified by faith, we are declared righteous. We have peace with God. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Can I tell you what Paul's trying to tell us? The difference in the two reigns, that of Adam and that of Jesus. In Adam's reign, all you did was death. All you have to look forward to is a cemetery plot. All you have to look forward to is one day the heart will quit ticking, the lungs will start going in and out, stop going in and out, and lo and behold, you will exit this life. But in Jesus, death doesn't reign. Death doesn't reign. We do. In Adam, you lose the kingship that is given to you, but in Jesus Christ, you reign as a king. Look at the verse and what it says. It says, we reign much more. Do you see that phrase there in the middle of that verse? Much more will those who receive the abundance of Jesus' grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life. Can I tell you what that means? That means here and now. That means right this minute. That means God has changed not just, he's not changed us just for the better for the there and then. He's changed us for the better for the here and now. Life's good. We can live in the confident assurance that because he lives, we can live also. We can live in the confident assurance in spite of the fact that death reigns over us. We shall live because he lives, we will live also. We can live in the confident assurance that even though we're sinners, he has declared us to be righteous because of the work that Jesus did upon the cross of Calvary. And Paul says, therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation of all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. You know, Adam didn't have to commit a series of sins. He only had to commit one. One line was drawn in the sand, and he failed miserably. And just so you know, you and I would have too. 
called here an offense. It's called a trespass. It can be called an act of disobedience. Whatever it means, it means to cross over that line. God put the line down and said, Adam, here's how far you can go. And Adam said, I'm going over it. Paul continues, by one, as by the one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. You see, what Jesus did on the cross was so much far more and so much more good than what Adam did. Christ dying on the cross not only makes our justification possible, that is to you know what justification means. I talked about it a moment ago. It means that we are, it's just as if we never sinned. That's a way to remember it. Justification, big word. It's just as if we never sinned. That's what the work of Jesus on the cross does for us. It sets us right how God wants us to be. And I, I so often have said to you how God intended for it to be, but what I want you to see, if you don't see anything this morning, is this. It's not just what God intended for it to be. It's better than what God intended for it to be. So Paul is saying here, yeah, the disobedience of Adam, it, it, it affected a lot of people. But what Jesus did, for those that choose to accept it, it does so much more. Because we can live in this life in union with him. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. You know what, when it says here, the law came, you need to know this. That word there means to creep in. The law came to creep in. Creep into what? Here's what I hope you'll see in this verse. Grace was already there. The unmerited favor of God towards us was there for Adam before Adam sinned. And it was there for you and me before Adam sinned. You see, the, the law that crept in, that crawled into the room, crawled into where grace belonged. God dealt with Adam and Eve in grace when they crossed the line. He dealt with those people that died between the time of Adam and Eve and the time of Moses with grace. He dealt with Israel all through all their trials in grace. And he deals with you and I in grace. He wants the very best for us. His favor is his unmerited favor towards us. We've done nothing to earn it, nothing to deserve it, nothing that could possibly make it possible for us to work our way into heaven. And yet God lavishes it upon us. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants us. Law was never given to replace grace. Law was given to amplify our need for grace so we'd know how bad we needed what God is offering. And that law that, that is given to us, all those do's and don'ts we have in life, it's temporary. The grace of God is eternal. As sin increases, God's grace abounds even more. God's grace has always been and always will be sufficient to deal with our sin. So that, last verse, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Even though at the current time, 
death and sins to go away. I want you to rest assured in the fact that God's grace always sustains. Then, now, and then. Being in Adam is out of our control. We're born into it. You've heard that phrase, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. It's the same concept. We're born into sin. We're going to die. It's out of our control. It comes to you at birth. But the curse of sin and the desire to sin that comes to us at birth can't match the grace that Christ gives us in his life to sustain us. And here's the bottom line. Sin always has a battle to give you. But grace requires nothing. I want you to stop and think about this because this is why we're going to have to say that out loud. This is why you can't afford to live in that neighborhood. And if you're wondering what neighborhood that is today, it's in the neighborhood of sin. There is a real cost to living without Christ. Sin always, always, always has a battle to give us. We will always be guilty and always be held accountable for and always be required to one day own up for our sins. But the grace of God says, come like your father. I've forgiven you, and it is my debt. Your slate is clean. We used to sing at the old Boise Church a song. Many of you probably know it. It's interesting. Elvis sang this on his gospel album, and it's called A Mansion Over the Hillsides. How many of you ever heard the song A Mansion Over the Hillsides? I saw Diana nod her head yes, and that's because Debbie loves Elvis. But anyway, <laughs> here's the verses to that. I want, if you know I'm good, if you don't, here's how it goes. I want you to hear it. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver, a little gold. But in that city where the ransomed will shine, I want a gold one with a silver line. I've got a mansion just over the hillside in that bright land where we'll never grow old. Someday yonder we'll no more wander but walk on streets that are purest gold. Don't think I'm poor, deserted, or lonely. I'm not discouraged. I'm heaven bound. I'm but a pilgrim in search of my city. I want a mansion, a heart, and a friend. I've got a mansion just over that hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we will never more wander but walk on streets that are purest gold. That implies the hope of the justified, the Christian. And explains why you can't afford to live in that neighborhood anymore. That neighborhood where Adam and Faith dwelt. Big city, two thousand years ago. Let me tell you something else. You can't afford to live in heaven anymore. You cannot afford to live in hell anymore. Having a conversation this week with my son. Just so you all know, I turned 60 this year, and I'm beginning to think about things like, what comes next? I was talking to my son, and I said, man, my retirement is in the tank. And he said, you'll be okay. I said, you don't understand. I said, since such and such a date, I've lost 12.5%. You'll be okay. Nate, you don't get it. I said, no, I told you it was. <laughs> you, don't, you don't understand how bad this is. He says, you'll be okay. 
don't worry about it. And then when you are 29, 30 years old, it is easy to have that confidence, isn't it? I want to tell you, doggone it, right now, I don't want to hear it. Friends, it's too expensive to live in heaven, too. Thank God you don't have to pay a price. Thank God it doesn't depend upon what you think about. Thank God it doesn't depend upon what you've done. Paul says, we are saved by grace and not that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any of us should boast. That first birth brings death. But the second birth brings life. That is why Jesus said in the Gospel of John, you must be born again. You must be born again. See, Jesus knew that we needed to hear the gospel. Jesus knew that what he was going to give us from the cross would pay the penalty. Jesus knew that the piece of real estate that he had already chosen for us could only be paid for with his blood. It's too expensive for you and I to pay. Thank God you can't because the reason, the reason you don't have to pay is because he's paid it all for you. Sin always has a balance sheet. God's grace costs nothing to you but the life of a dollar. Take it to your cross and receive it. Amen. We're going to talk about that or sing rather about that amazing grace right now. Would you stand with me as we sing our version of amazing grace?